Welcome to Sound the Foghorn. This is our fourth episode in our little renaissance here. I am your host, Mark DeLuke, and today I am joined by Mercury News Bay Area News Group Giants beat writer, Kerry Crowley. You know, if you follow the Giants, you followed his work all year, Kerry. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Really appreciate it and excited to, uh, to chat Giants baseball with you. Yeah, and before we get, dive into the Giants, I am just curious to ask you on your side of things, what was this year like for you? I mean, obviously, your your job is changing pretty dramatically on the fly, as is probably most people around the country. But, you know, there's there's baseball, but you're not at all the games. You're doing these video conference interviews. You know, you're probably not, you know, you're obviously not running into people and having sort of your side conversations if you will, just from the beat writer perspective, you know, what was adjusted on the fly like there? You know, it's, it's interesting to look at this through, you know, I guess to look at the coronavirus and how it's impacted everyone's workplace, because I think that, you know, you, you go to just about every industry and you see that everyone had to be adaptable this year. Everyone had to make changes, some really big, some really small. And I think in baseball, we were somewhere in the middle of that spectrum, uh, particularly from the writer's perspective. I think that, uh, you know, it it was easy to think about what our jobs look like in 2017, 2018, 2019 compared to 2020 and see how different it was. But really, you know, when you get down to it, you were still doing the same functions. You were still writing the same types of stories. You just didn't have the same level of access. So, you know, if you wrote something critical of a player, which was easy to do of the Giants, particularly uh, during the first half of the season, especially when they were eight and 16 through the first 24 games. Uh, when you do something like that, you really want to be accountable. You want to be able to go up to a player or a coach in the in the clubhouse and say, hey, look, do you think this was fair? Was there something that I didn't see? And you couldn't do that this year. And so it was a little bit weird not having that level of access to say, hey, look, I know that what I said was was harsh or uh, you know, it, it was honest, but I, I felt like that's what needed to be said through through your work. And uh, to not have that was was difficult. But I, I think that everyone realized it. We adjusted it, figured out ways to communicate. And all in all, I, I'm just happy that I was still employed because uh, the sports yeah. media industry, as you know, is contracting. Uh, it, it's it's not a good long term outlook. And so just to be able to write about baseball, uh, it, it, it made for some happiness in, in some times that were uh that weren't so easy for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way of putting it, contextualizing it, right? And like that ultimately there were a lot of changes, but right, ultimately once once games were being played, it wasn't, um, you know, the content was still there. You're watching the games, even mm-hmm. if you're not necessarily always in the press box or sometimes exactly. you know, spread out in the stands or watching on TV for a road game. So I just want to go through with you. You know, I feel like you've been watching this team up close. You're f- as familiar with it as anyone and just sort of go through this roster is obviously we have free agents. We have team options coming in. Pretty much all are being declined. I imagine yeah. next week we're going to see a flood of non-tenders, um, an abnormally high one um, as well. But sort of just to kind of get the lay of the land from the Giants roster, because for the most part, I don't think we're going to see too many surprising non-tenders. There's, you know, that's not, you know, most of the team, frankly, is under contract for next year already. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of makes it a bit easier to gauge where the faults lie. And so I think, you know, you start at backstop, you start at catcher where they'll have Buster Posey coming back. They'll have Joey Bart coming back. They have Chadwick Tromp under team control. I'm assuming Tyler Heinemann's a minor league free agent. But, you know, 
I feel pretty certain that we're not going to really see much. You know, we might see someone like a Heineman or someone of that ilk brought in to sort of play at AAA, maybe with Trump. But I imagine, is there sort of a concern, you know, as Commissioner Rob Manfred's been somewhat unwilling to commit to a DH in the National League next year, if not totally squashing, squashing the idea, is there a concern that they aren't going to want Bart to sit on the bench behind Posey if they still have Brandon Belt at first base and they might want to get him those at-bats at AAA? Or are they pretty confident that Belt and Posey, do you think, are going to be the guys? You know, I, I think that it's so tough to gauge this, Mark, because if there's no normal minor league season next year, that's going to kind of throw the Giants' plans for a loop and, and things are going to be up in the air. I would say, let's just throw this scenario out there. Triple A is normal next year. Major League Baseball is normal. They're doing full seasons. I think Joey Bart starts in Triple A. I, I really do. I think that to work on in his game uh, from an offensive and defensive perspective, there's a lot of room to grow there. Uh, and Giants fans saw that this year that you would probably have him start at Triple A. You would probably bring in another veteran to you know camp, whether it be Tyler Heineman coming back, whether it be uh, the Giants re-signing Aramis Garcia if he's let, let go off the 40-man roster, which I think is a realistic possibility. Maybe Chadwick Trump is just the guy they roll with as Buster Posey's backup. But I think at least at the beginning of the year, you will see Joey Bart in the minor leagues, unless he just comes into camp, looks like a completely different player, and wins a job. And I do think there's that possibility. But to me, there's so much growth left, and, and it would just serve him well to do at least April and May at the AAA level get his legs under him, get his bat ready, uh, you know, get a feel for breaking balls and then go from there. And so I think that that's how the Giants will be that position. But at the same time, you mentioned that, you know, possibility of the DH not being there, being there. That's a question that is going to be really difficult for Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris to grapple with throughout the offseason. Definitely. And I think, you know, you look at the free agent market and that's sort of where it becomes, you know, do they look at someone like a Jason Castro or mm-hmm. I mean, Steven Vogt, I think, as a three million dollar club option. And I think we'll see how that plays out. If that's someone, you know, they look to bring in to just sort of have that squared away or are they comfortable with Trump? Are they comfortable, um, you know, maybe even giving him a longer look at the backup? So I think that's sort of sort of actually not a bad proxy for for sort of the rest of the Giants offensive picture in that you can kind of see them not making any moves in a lot of places, but you can see there being some holes they want to fill in, right? I think moving Mm -hmm. up the diamond to the infield, right? You have a glut of options. I mean, that's, there's plenty of guys. You really could have your infield set if you wanted it to, right? You have, you know, uh, especially at first base, right? Where you have Brandon Belt, you have Darren Ruff, you have Wilmer Flores. I think Ruff's arbitration eligible, but I'd be surprised if you don't see them at least tender him. Mm -hmm. But you have those three options. And I think in a world, definitely in a world without a DH, I cannot see a roster with Flores, Ruff, and Belt all there. Yeah, no, that's that that would be a really tough scenario to, to project from a roster standpoint. And I think you would have to have Ruff playing at least part time in the outfield if yeah. you're going to do that. And, you know, I, it's just it's really hard to predict. Maybe you have to have Wilmer Flores playing a lot more second base next season. Where does Donovan, Donovan Solano, Solano fit in in this mix? Base. I mean, that that's the most challenging question for the Giants, because he was at the beginning of his career, an all glove, no bat infielder. And at this point in his his career he's now an all bat no glove infielder which is uh just odd to me yeah. how someone can go through that type of career project uh trajectory but again yeah that that's really difficult for them and then there's that talk of potentially adding a left-handed hitter to the infield mix and yes i, I don't know how how they accomplish that maybe it's tommy Lastella and you play him at third base but you know maybe it's colton wong and, and you move him from second to third base but 
I, I really, that's a question that's going to be, again, difficult to answer. And do they bring in a major league player who's definitely going to make the roster or someone who's, who's a fringier type who's battling for a job in spring training? Yeah, and, and that's been sort of the similar thing I've thought of, especially as we know rosters are going to condense. Like, the fact mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously they use most of those roster spots on the bullpen, so it's easier to see them cutting down on that side, and we'll get to sort of what that may look like in free agency. But, you know, on, on they took advantage on the on, you know, with the depth they had, the ability they used to deploying platoons for manager Gabe Kapler in his first year, and it frankly worked, right? Like, you mm-hmm. don't have the flexibility to, you know, pinch hit Alex Dickerson for Darren Ruff or vice versa in the third inning of a game to play platoon splits if you don't have this expanded roster, right? Um, yeah. and, and that's something that is really interesting. And the other thing about it, right, is that none of them can really play shortstop or third base consistently. <laughs> you know, and so you're, you're kind of in this position where, like, Daniel Robertson, perfect kind of utility guy, but the bat is not close to what Flores and Ruff can do. But, mm-hmm. you know, Flores probably is no longer someone you can really trust at either spot there. Solano, we saw, you know, I think someone made the argument that, the re, you know, we saw the struggles at second base, but he was really out of sorts after the Giants put him at third base this year. That yep. that just kind of threw him off. And so, you know, with someone like Colton Wong, you mentioned where he's an elite defensive second baseman, but you know, he his arms kind of fringe, and he hasn't necessarily had that test at third base. You wonder, you know, sort of what they're willing to do, and it it really does all come back to what are their evaluations of really the three guys who aren't Brandon Belt on that side of the infield because. Ruff, Solano, and even I think Flores, right? Those are all very tradable contracts. Those are very tradable players. Is there someone with maybe some bullpen depth, you know, that there's someone with who's going to be a free agent after next year who's a with a sixth inning guy and they want a second baseman like Solano or they have a DH spot for Flores or Ruff? And then I wonder if you see kind of some, that's where you see some trading from the fringes. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point and something I hadn't quite considered just because... The way we've seen Farhan Zaidi build the roster is mostly through minor league trades, through waiver wire acquisitions, through low profile moves and trading a major league player uh, in a need for need trade. You know, that, that's what he's talked about is something that you know, could be a possibility for the Giants for, for a long time. And we really haven't seen that happen much in terms of need for need at the major league level. But all three of the guys you mentioned, Wilmer Flores, Donovan Solano, Darren Ruff, certainly candidates for that. I, I would think they'd have an easier time parting with Solano and Ruff just mm-hmm. because Wilmer Flores he's pretty dynamic. And I think that he he brings a lot to the clubhouse that we didn't necessarily get to see this year because it was a 60 game season. You don't get to see uh, how the veterans make an impact uh, over 162 games, the ups and the downs, but guys really liked Wilmer Flores and the people that I talked to in the giants front office were just thrilled with what he brought to the club from both uh, an on the field and off the field perspective. And so I I think that uh, as, as much as Giants fans enjoyed his first season, it was still an underrated first season because mm. of all that he brought. Yeah, and I think there's also something you said. I think, right, he's going to make $3 million next year, which in mm-hmm. this extremely cheap landscape we have with rosters right now, the fact is, you know, Solano and Ruff will be making less than that, you know, you would mm-hmm. expect. And so that also seems to make them more tradable. And so what do, I guess... How do you see them handling the situation with shortstop and third base? You can argue Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, both guys who are everyday caliber guys who you could hypothetically pencil in for 155, 160 games. And you still have Mauricio Dubon in center field who could maybe slide down and at least play it short. Do you think they're going to add a shortstop who has a legitimate shot at making the big league roster? 
Uh, that is a tremendous question. And <laughs> let, let's 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 say this: Is Francisco Lindor available in a trade this offseason? I've uh, been because... <laughs> thinking about that in the back of my mind myself. Because there's going to be another team that follows the Boston Red Sox model of trading their best player, uh, despite everyone in the industry trashing that move. Yes. Uh, there's going to be other owners who are like hey, I can trade my best player and save a couple million and not see the bottom line impacted uh, in a negative way for me. And so if Francisco Lindor is available, and I do think he is the most realistic star who could come available, maybe Chris Bryant, maybe Matt Chapman. uh, Those are two other names that I thought about. But uh, then I I could definitely see Farhan Zaidi making a play because that would instantly make the Giants much more competitive moving forward. And it would set them up so well for the future to have Lindor at shortstop you wouldn't have to worry about rushing Marco Luciano to the big yeah. leagues. And Brandon Crawford's only got one year left on his deal. And, mm-hmm. and there are ways that you can maneuver that, whether maybe it's coming up with a trade. Maybe it's just a significantly reduced role. But can you bet on Brandon Crawford in his age 34 season to have an 800 OPS? I, I don't think you can. And as much as his defense improved this year, I'm not sure it was so markedly better that you wouldn't just go out there and take that chance to improve the shortstop position. And so I, I think it would have to be a pretty drastic move for the Giants to, to bring in a, a major league caliber shortstop to, to really impact the team. But they, I, like you said, they could also go with someone who could threaten the major league roster, maybe platoon at shortstop. I just think that if they did, that would have to be a really versatile piece. Yeah, and that's sort of the ultimate question, right, is – as will I'll just slide us to the outfield now. It works out conveniently. <laughs> is you know where they see Mauricio Dubon fitting in next year in the lineup? I think is also a big part of that, right? Because you could argue, you know, even though he did kind of have some inconsistencies early on this season, he was also working on learning center field. Historically, you should be. I think you can expect him to solidify, you know, his defense at shortstop if he is going to play there more consistently. And the question is, do the Giants? plan on pushing that versatility further next season where we're going to see Dubon at shortstop twice a week and center field three, four times a week, or, you know, sort of moving around the diamond or, you know, when Farhan Zaidi's talking about, maybe we don't need to push people. Maybe we don't need to be as versatile. Is he talking about someone like Dubon? And is he saying, you know what? He might just be our everyday center fielder. It's, it's another tough question. when you think about this roster construction, because the more I watched Mauricio Dubon in center field, the more I liked him out there. Yeah. And I think that Giants fans became enamored with watching Kevin Pillar fly around and throw his body around. Uh, but Mauricio Dubon was a much better, statistically speaking, from the defensive analytics standpoint, a much better defensive center fielder. And that was just in his first year. And I think that there is actually a lot of room for growth. He's twitchy out there. He can run balls down. He gets up to full speed really quickly. And you go back to that play that he made at Petco Park earlier this season with an over-the-shoulder catch in center field where I don't think there's another center fielder the Giants have had in 10 years that even gets close to that ball. And Mauricio Dubon didn't need to dive. He just made a tremendous athletic play. And so do you want to move him off that position to increase your versatility to give you another right-handed bat in the lineup who doesn't hit for that much power, but maybe play him at shortstop or, or second base. I'm not so sure. I, I think that maybe you just stick with him in center field. And if he doesn't hit enough, you find a platoon partner for him. But I, I do think that if you leave him there, he's going to continue to improve and be the best Giants defensive center fielder you've had in a long time. Yeah, I think another underrated part of why Dubon was playing every day in center field was Mike Yastrzemski clearly 
was unable to do it last season. And whether that's mm-hmm. because he, he needed to adjust to the park or something, and maybe that can improve going forward. But I mean, when you look at the advanced numbers, he was bad, like first or second percentile in the entire league uh, by outs above average. So, you know, that's another thing where it's like, it's not as simple as, oh, we can put Dubon at shortstop and he can slide over to center, you know, a, against a tough matchup or whatever. Like that's probably not in the cards. Yeah, I was always confused by the Giants' insistence that Mikey Stremski could play center field because in his rookie season, which was tremendous last year, I mean, 2019, Mikey Stremski coming onto the scene, playing the corner outfields, uh, and, and just hitting consistently, being the Giants' best player, that was really cool for Giants fans to see. But then they, they had this thing in spring training where they're like, Mike Yastrzemski could be the everyday center fielder. And I just never saw that from him defensively. I mean, he's a, he's a solid guy, uh, much better hitter than he is a fielder. But I'm not necessarily certain on the scouting process there. I think that it does give you a lot more flexibility from a lineup creation standpoint if Mike Yastrzemski can handle that. So I can understand the desire to put him there. But from a, from an outfield defensive alignment perspective, you probably want him in the corners. And to be honest, I, I, I think he's better suited in left field than he is in right. But moving forward, I think the Giants are just going to have to play him in right. Yeah, I mean, I guess hypothetically George Springer's out there, although I'd be surprised if the Giants... Yeah, have that's our, not happening. Know, that, I just don't see that, that fitting, nor something they're going to dedicate any resources to. But other than that, right, you, know, you have a Jackie Bradley Jr. who could be a potential platoon option with Mauricio Dubon, but otherwise there isn't that guy who, you, I, at least as far as I'm looking at this right now, there doesn't seem to be a center fielder out there where you go, you know what, we can sign him and he can handle the bulk of games in center field. I just mm-hmm. don't see that. No, and obvi- no. And obviously, you know, we don't know what the internal evaluations are of Jalen Davis. They were continuously talking like they were very high on him and he's been insistent his best position is center field but you know him not getting that late season call up they can try to make it about they want him to keep working on adjustments but regardless they didn't give him opportunities to get big league at bats this year which suggests they don't think he's necessarily in a position to contribute long term and so or not long term but contribute at least in the immediate future and so it's really difficult to see someone at least from where i'm standing that is really going to push dubon off of center field. Yeah, I, I think that in Jalen Davis's standpoint, actions speak louder than words. The Giants mm-hmm. hyped him up, but they didn't bring him up. And yeah. that was, you know, kind of kind of a sign that he wasn't hitting for contact at uh, the AAA alternate site. Uh, you know, that he wasn't doing what they needed to see him do from a defensive perspective in the outfield because the Giants know what they have in Steven Duggar and who's taking yeah. up a 40-man roster spot. They know what Duggar brings you at the plate, and it's someone who's going to be okay against right-handed pitchers and you know, kind of a, a liability against left-handed pitchers. You're not going to see power from him. You're not going to see consistent contact from him either. And so the fact that he was consistently the choice over Jalen Davis speaks to, I think, the Giants' internal evaluation of Davis right now. And you're right about that. I, I think that if the Giants wanted to find a platoon partner, Jackie Bradley Jr. is probably the best option because he hits left-handed. He plays a really strong defensive center field, even though he's not quite the same center fielder he was at the beginning of his career. Uh, and the Giants have had this rumored interest in Jackie Bradley Jr., <laughs> probably dating back to, like, the Brian Sabian days. I was going to say, you can and go so, back to, like, 2010 on that one. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like Gerardo Parra, who everyone yeah. just thought eventually would be a San Francisco Giant. Jackie Bradley Jr., it feels like, you know, he has got to be wearing this uniform at some point in his career. San Francisco giant great Scott Hairston has something to say. About <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But, but and that's sort of the other thing with a guy like Bradley. You'd really because of 
the potential glut of infielders and because of the kind of uncertainty with the bullpen, you know, you wonder too if you know they got Alex Dickerson and Austin Slater, and when you look at those medical histories, you know, someone's always going to be on the IL, right? <laughs> you know, or not able to play in the field, and so mm-hmm. you know that's where it also gets a bit weird because it's like, well, you know, you figured if you do Bones, your everyday center fielder; if you Stremski's your everyday right or left fielder, probably right fielder. You know, you have those two guys to platoon, and that's a really good-looking outfield, but. At the same time, you're kind of cautious just about how sustainable that is. And I guess potentially, you know, if you do keep a Darren Ruff and there isn't a DH, then you're willing to kind of pat Burl it with some games in left field with him. But, you know, that's where like a, a Jackie Bradley Jr. does really give you a lot more flexibility to move things around and just an insurance policy, really. Yeah, and I wonder about this outfield construction. I, I think that we are going to see some changes to the 40-man roster. I, I don't know that they will get through the entire offseason with Darren Ruff, Steven Duggar, Jalen Davis, and Chris Shaw all taking up 40-man roster spots. Yeah, I just don't see that, point. How, how you can do that uh, if you want to make this team incrementally better. As much as I like those guys individually, and I think that they can all help a team in certain ways, I don't think that they can all be on one roster and, and helping mm-hmm. make it that much better. And so the the question is, like, do they consider the idea of having Mauricio Dubon shuttle back and forth between AAA and the major leagues if, if they bring in a Jackie Bradley Jr. just because Dubon has options and they can create some roster flexibility from that standpoint? Or, or would that hurt the morale of, of him and, uh, you know, hurt his confidence and maybe, you know, say to the club that they're prioritizing, you know, having you know, 29 players as opposed to, you know, just rolling with the 26 that they have and, and they're going to use AAA as like a storing house for players. And I don't think that that goes over well in clubhouses. And so I, I don't know how you manage that situation, but something needs to change on the outfield depth chart this offseason. That's what I'm confident about. And Shaw is sort of the perfect example, too, of the actions speak louder than words, right? Unless we're missing yes. something, something we don't know. He wasn't on the alternate site for a while until the trade deadline comes up. He was never even mentioned into conversations of a call-up. And so, again, talking about people who've, you know, been, it seems, surpassed, right? And, you know, another guy we didn't mention in the outfield mix, Louis Basabe, who I don't think— Oh, you know, yeah, he, I, I like him. <laughs> yeah, but he's probably and, not a major league guy, right? Right. He's a guy you're going to kind of oscillate between AAA and the big leagues because he knows how to walk. He can play good defense, and you know that's kind of what you're talking about with even someone like Duggar, and that's really what you're looking at in this Giants outfield. And so switching gears to the bullpen, the bullpen to me, honestly, and I'm uh, we'll see how the comments feel about this one, but <laughs> to me, there is actually a solid bullpen here that is missing one arm. You know, wink, wink, Brad Hand. Or, you know, a Liam Hendricks, and obviously they could have had hand for $10 million. No one in baseball claimed him. The absurdity of what this offseason is going to look at look like. But, you know, he's now a free agent. Liam Hendricks is a free agent. Because really, I look at this bullpen and I say, Tyler Rogers, Wandy Peralta, Sam Selman, Caleb Berger, Harleen Garcia, you know, and even the, you know, Sean Anderson, Sam Coonrod, like, there's arms there. And on any one day, am I really confident that any one of those guys is going to lock it down? No, but those are four. <laughs> but those are four or five guys where I'm fairly confident there are two or three like long-term setup seventh inning guys there. And it's, so it's like, <laughs> if you get me one guy, then you, I think you can turn this unit into a deep strength. It's just like, can they find that? I think, Mark, it's funny that we're having this conversation because you probably won't find two people covering the San Francisco Giants who are like higher on the caliber of arms they have in the bullpen than than you and me. I just think like raw honesty, 
I've always liked this group. I think that fans thought that this bullpen was bad. And for a, a month long stretch there, we saw that it was the very best in the major leagues. Like yes. people hate managers and people hate relievers. That's just true <laughs> across baseball. Like 80 to 90% of people hate their sixth, seventh and eighth inning guys. And they hate their managers because they are the if you're not in baseball, exactly. If you're not winning the world series, then something went wrong somewhere. And I, you know, it just to me, the Giants have all the pieces there to be successful. They are, like you said, they're one or two arms away. I think that they need a veteran stabilizer. Yeah. And whether that's someone like, you know, Brad Hand or Liam Hendricks, who are truly elite, or someone like Darren O'Day, who, who had his mm-hmm. option declined. Yeah, Maybe true. Sergio Romo comes back. I, I don't know that he is like the ideal veteran presence to lead, uh, but he's certainly someone who can get right-handed hitters out. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see who they add and what they prioritize in adding because they're not that far away. Like, Wandy Peralta could easily be an eighth-inning guy in the big leagues with one or two tweaks and a little bit more consistency. Tyler Rogers should probably be pitching in, like, the sixth or seventh, but he's definitely a major league caliber reliever, and I would yeah. trust him with a lead. And so, you know, you get a few of these guys right. You get Sean Anderson or Sam Coonrod to to kind of live up to their potential, and you're talking about a bullpen that could be really strong and built really cheaply so that you can go spend on the starting rotation. Yeah, I love I'm looking at the baseball reference plate. Harleen Garcia's ERA plus this year was 884, which is exactly hilarious. To exactly. Me. And no one um, knows him. No one knows yeah, the guy. Yeah. And, and one thing I really like Wandy Peralta. And the interesting thing with Peralta is he has a starter's repertoire. Mm-hmm. And we saw him kind of taking advantage of that with the long relief thing. Anyway, I wonder if we'll see him in an opener spot, something, depending on how. The starting rotation. I'm going to rapid fire you with this one. We can expand from there. And I realize there's absolutely no way you get this right, but <laughs> who are the first five? Who are the five starters for the Giants? Uh, the first five games of next season. Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> Johnny Cueto starts one of them if he's yeah. not on the injured list. Um, uh, Taiwan Walker. Uh, let's go. They'll have an opener, and let's have Caleb Barriger start a game. Um, this is God. I can't wait to look back at this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's let's see. Who uh, there's some middling starting pitchers on the market that just aren't mm-hmm. popping into my head right now. That... Mike Leak had his option declined, and I actually think he's one who, you know, in terms of because I think they're, I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of go sort of higher risk with like a Kluber type, you know, and oh, so, yeah, so, absolutely. So they want someone like Leak to kind of be like, well, we can kind of have a yeah. bit more confidence we have that. We, we, we know exactly what this guy's going to do, he's going to throw 160 innings to a exactly. 4.6 ERA, exactly. Like you just Pencil it in every year. Mike League, go Devils. You're yes. going to get the same thing from that guy. So I, I, I'm with you there. Maybe a high let's, – let's, let's break it down like this. Johnny Cueto, opener, high-risk starting pitcher in free agency, and then two low-risk guys who aren't guaranteed of roster spots entering camp but end up beating out like three or four other guys. Do you think um, Tyler Anderson is, is part of that poll? No. I don't. I think that he is tender to contract. I think that the Giants either agree to a figure in arbitration or don't come to an agreement and then let him go. But I don't know that you can go into the season with Tyler Anderson as one of your top five. I think that he can be one of your top seven. But mm-hmm. at the at the point that he's at in his career, it's tough for guys like that who are just kind of in between. You know, is he a starter? Is he better off as a reliever? Uh, it's a tough call on Tyler Anderson. And I think that if the Giants are insistent on being a playoff team next year, you can't go into the season with him being a top five guy. 
Yep. And so final minute, who is the most expensive free agent con- they sign this offseason? Who are the candidates? Let's I like Kluber, to be honest with you. Okay. I think that it, it's going to be a starting pitcher. And maybe yeah. it's Kevin Maybe it's Kevin Gossman. Again, mm-hmm. maybe he is the most expensive starting pitcher because they really like him. He really likes them. Yeah. Uh, and he pitched to a contract this year. I know that you know the, start, the free agent market is going to be depressed, but I, I think that Kevin Gossman – will get his money from some team and it wouldn't shock me if it was the Giants. I gotta say, I mean, I really like Marcus Stroman, but it's really a toss up between for me between looking at those two guys and guessing what their next three years look like. Oh yeah. No, no it's it's really hard. And, and again, the depressed market, should they mm-hmm. absolutely get three years? Of course. In yeah. this year's market, will it probably be one or two? I, I think that that's probably gonna be the the difference this year is some teams gonna give them two and and they'll agree to that. Yeah, or I, I think you could even maybe see they try to work in some two years with like an opt out. Yeah, like like the, the, the Jay Hap vesting option thing mm-hmm. that the Yankees had going on. Yes. that's absolutely going to be in play for those guys. Yeah, and yeah, that's sort of the thing is it, we can kind of go up and down this list. I know it's one thirty, so I'll, I'll let you go. But if it's there's like this is just a massive game theory problem, right? Because all of the owners and all of the teams are clearly inclined not to spend right now they're laying off full-time employees they're you know ex, you know non-tendering guys they're going to be declining team options but as that happens the advantages for one team who is willing to you know ne- not necessarily go george steinbrenner on it but even spend moderately there's a huge advantage there right and like there are a number of starting pitching options that the giants could not probably very expensively fill out a rotation with a Gaussman and a Kluber. It's just, you, you look at it and do you, it's like you can't bet on any one team being willing to do that right now. You're, you're absolutely right. There's a market inefficiency here in that yeah. the team that spends is going to come out of this looking much better than the teams that don't. And there are going to be a lot that don't. What I will say is, you know, five weeks ago, I would have said, okay, the Giants should be in position to take advantage this offseason. Then I thought, okay, they laid off 50 full-time employees. They're, sa- they're trying to save, what, $4 bucks? That's a, that's a terrible look for the organization, and it suggests that they're a little bit cash-strapped. Then you see Charles Johnson's political donations come out. Yep. Well, they're not cash-strapped at all, actually. Uh, they have a lot of money that they can spend, and Charles Johnson can do that freely, as can other owners. And so it's important to remember that. Every fan should remember owners have way more money than you think, yes. and owners should absolutely spend more money than they're currently spending. So yes. just if you're, if you're a fan and you're looking for the Giants to make moves this offseason, hold them accountable, be angry if they don't spend. That's totally fair, because while the coronavirus has depressed situations for hundreds of millions of people across the country, professional sports owners have largely been immune from that. I don't know if there's a better way to end this podcast. Kerry, thank you for taking the time to come on. Great to talk with you as always and preview this offseason. And I'm going to hold you accountable to that uh, opening day <laughs> rotation. I look forward <laughs> to week. that, Mark. Thanks so Tyler much for having Walker. me. I appreciate it. Hey, all right. You have a good one. Stay safe. You too. That's Bay Area News Group Giants beat writer Kerry Crowley. You can follow him on Twitter at KO underscore Crowley. This has been our fourth edition of Sound the Foghorn. My name is Mark Luca, your host. Stay up to date with all of San Francisco Giants news and rumors. Make sure to follow us at Around the Foghorn. That's at Round the Foghorn. You can follow me on Twitter at Madden That's M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another one next Sunday.